Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jesse Cater. He is SVP of Research and Development. We're going to talk to him a little bit about what they're doing at Curleaf. Uh, and as I think uh, people in the cannabis industry, if you've been keeping up on the news and kind of the world of, you know, kind of the bigger companies in the cannabis space with some recent acquisitions, Curleaf is now the number largest, the number one cannabis company in the U.S. at this point, maybe even the world. We'd have to double check that one. But so we have an interesting opportunity to speak with Jesse about really what does this mean for a company of this size, of the scope that's working in so many states. I'm kind of curious to see what's going on in the on the research side, on the operation side, really what it means to be at this level. So with that, Jesse, welcome to the program. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So why don't we uh, get to know you a little bit first, and then we can talk about Curaleaf and, and some of the things that are going on. What was your background? How did you get involved in cannabis? How did you get involved in Curaleaf? What was the backstory? Uh, good question. I mean, I've had a kind of a, a lifelong interest in cannabis. You know, it's been recent years that I've discovered out why it's had such an impact on my life, but I was a recreational user earlier in life than I'd like to admit, but it was mm-hmm. certainly uh, an influential part of my high school and college years. And the only thing I was probably more passionate about was science and engineering. And 
I went to college for chemi and toxicology and um, eventually dove into pharmaceuticals coming out of college and did a lot of work in toxicology and drug development and found that, well, I love the science at that point of pharmaceutical history and development. A lot of the real R&D and innovation pharmaceuticals had been outsourced or moved off yeah. to academia. I think the, the heyday of pharmaceutical R&D is kind of over at that point. And I was really passionate about innovation and development. And, and so I moved on to defense contracting, which was a great experience. I mean, working yeah. with multiple disciplinary scientists from all walks of life and backgrounds, tackling very difficult challenges and did product development, process development, talks work, and did that for six, seven years. And that was another just great experience on the science and engineering side. And then I got involved with a company called Waters. And Waters is a large supplier of process and analytical chemistry solutions to big pharma and to food and to government accounts. And I was really a technical expert providing guidance and application support and sales support for all those applications. And we happened to have a bunch of supercritical CO2 extraction technology historically mm -hmm. used for Chinese herbs and medicinals and natural remedies. And Prop 215 had passed in California, was the early days of California medical system. And, you know, started getting interest from that industry without really knowing the industry, really knowing what the real application was. And so... I was fortunate to have a forward-thinking boss at the time who was open to me exploring the opportunity there. Mm -hmm. And they really said, here you go. take If you think there's a market, go for it. And they gave me the Western U.S. and Canada right when Health Canada was coming online in the early Canadian operators. And I very quickly grew it from nothing to a $20 million business of selling testing equipment and instrumental analysis and, and extraction technology to the industry. And I got to work with really the earliest companies, many of which are still in existence and some of the largest in Canada, in the Western U.S., and really providing technical support, providing formulation support, process support to all these great companies in the early industry. And... Uh, the technology was awesome, but there was very few actual scientists and engineers operating yeah. in cannabis at that time. Yeah. And so I was always asked, hey, you know, well, you know, whatever it takes, can we get you to provide additional support or insight or help with X, Y, and Z? And so I, I saw an opportunity and started a the first real contract cannabis R&D operation based out of Berkeley, California. I pulled in a bunch of really talented pharmaceutical scientists and medicinal chemists and engineers, and we started doing application work all across the country and were very successful and markets coming online like Florida and Washington and did a lot of product development, process development, and then a ton of consumer safety testing, mm -hmm. really uh, helping kind of define what it meant to provide a safe cannabis product to the consumers in really the early days of states trying to figure out how they regulate cannabis and, and advising a lot of different states on what a good testing program would entail. And so that was really uh, our heyday in working with the industry and providing support on multiple fronts. And that had a great run. Towards the end of that time, California Adult Use was preparing to come online. Yeah. And so that business was really positioned and, and best transcribed in the new California market as a testing lab. My heart has always been in product research and development. So we exited that business. It's still there as a third-party testing lab, Evio, in, in California. Mm -hmm. At the same time, 
Waters Corporation was focusing their core foundation of pharmaceuticals and, and less on the cannabis market. And so I got involved with uh, a good friend of mine who was original founder of Cureleaf when it was still Paleotech, which was really a medical device company, mm-hmm. and saying, hey, we're growing one or a few states. We could really use a great scientist with your experience. And he introduced me to Joe Lusardi at a conference out west, and mm-hmm. I hit it off with him, and he asked me to join Cureleaf and run manufacturing. And I took that opportunity, and uh, at the time, we were a much smaller company operating in about six states, and uh, we've been running ever since. The growth has been absolutely incredible, um, <laughs> yeah. hard to keep up sometimes, but yeah, uh, sure. the, the opportunity. And so here we are today. And as we've grown, we've built real significant operations and operational leaders. And I have always done a ton of product research and innovation development and cannabinoid science. And so they asked me to really take on and focus on innovation and R&D, which we believe Cureleaf will lead the industry as a product-led company, and, and that's where I am today. Yeah. Hey, give us a sense of kind of the range of products that you're kind of producing now that you actually have from a market point of view. How do you organize it? What are the categories? What are you producing? What are you not producing in terms of cannabis products for consumption? Sure. What are we not producing? I mean, yeah. that's the question. I mean, <laughs> cannabis, you know, one thing interesting about cannabis is cannabis uh, – as a plant and uh, the bioactive compounds within cannabis have so many different applications. And I think that's what makes cannabis so interesting. So the applicability of cannabinoids to so many different products in application areas is incredible. And so we're really trying to let the science lead that, you know, those decisions. But I mean, we certainly support from traditional flower-based products to vapable products to topically applied products, oral mucosal products and edibles and concentrated beverages. We're starting to dive deep into nanotechnology and how we really mm. control the yeah. dynamics of the product. So Cureleaf really has a, a wide array of products in terms of delivery forms. And we're really starting to position a wide array of efficacy around the different cannabinoids and, and other bioactive compounds like terpenes and ketones that are in cannabis as well. Yeah, yeah, it is. It, it feels like we're just at the beginning <laughs> of kind of the possibilities and kind of I, I think we're you know going going to see a bit a bit of a explosion of applications or, or product configurations and where cannabis shows up just because it seems like there's so many potential ways this could go it's a fascinating discussion let's talk a little bit about the well so in terms of your background so I, I guess you're, you're it sounds like you're making a bit of a switch from the manufacturing more of the recent development I, mean, I guess historically how much of your time has been spent on kind of the manufacturing the operational process versus research and development and how has that shifted and going forward? Yeah, great question. I joined Cureleaf with a focus of research and innovation, but in reality, especially in the early days as Cureleaf was going through such tremendous growth, you know, consumer safety, quality, consistency, when you enjoy a product in one market, if you move or you're traveling to an adult use market, you should get that consistent experience. And so it was clear to me that building consistent platforms, quality assurance programs, you know, standard operating procedures, that work need to be done first. So we had a team and I was leading the charge on really continuing the innovation piece. But at the same time, we're really building consistent platforms and operating procedures and quality assurance programs to ensure that as we innovated and bring new products to market, that we had the, the manufacturing support in our operations to do that in a consistent and quality fashion that was safe for consumers. Yeah. And 
if I recall, I mean, a lot of your growth has been acquisitions of companies in these different markets. I mean, how had it, I guess I'm curious how it played out in terms of, you know, setting up a platform, but also having to kind of deal with an in-situ company. Like, was this, you know, having a playbook that you would go in and figuring out, okay, how do we adjust what they're doing to kind of fit our model? How much could you leave in place? Just, it's a fascinating process to try to create consistency across basically markets that you cannot move, you know, you cannot move products across, right? So you have to recreate essentially the supply chain, the production process, everything in each market. How did you approach that when, I guess, you know, to the extent that you were dealing with acquisitions or standing up new companies, what was that like? Challenging. I mean, obviously, <laughs> uh, Kirleaf uh, has made some significant acquisitions, some phenomenal companies that mm-hmm. had great products and, and great processes, And the difficulty, as you know, in cannabis is that all these markets are very different. The size of the market, the maturity of the market. In my world, most importantly, the regulations. Uh, I mean, regulations could not be more different than the difference between some of these states. So really, we had to build platforms that were as universal as possible, looking at all the regulations and really setting our own guidelines that were, in some cases, above state-level standards, saying every state has such different standards. Some states almost don't require any testing. Some states have really significant testing concentrations and products you can offer, processes you can utilize. So we tried to really think hard about building platforms that were universal, testing and quality standards that were universal and really above industry standards. And, you know, I have a degree in toxicology. I had a lot of relevant work looking at this from that perspective and that lens. I found a home at Cureleaf early on because, you know, the CEO, Joe, is, you know, he's a huge patient advocate, one of Mm -hmm. the most authentic guys in the industry, and he really believes consumer safety first. And so we kind of hit a chord in that stride. And so we've always set the bar really high. And so our platforms uh, are really built around that premise. And so when we go in and make an acquisition, it's really working with them and, and really bring some additional technology and resource to them to really bring them up to this national standard that we operate by. Yeah. Did you find, I'm curious, like on one hand, I see the sort of the benefit of creating a very high bar that's going to work across the board so that you can kind of both standardize and you can assure a high level quality, but also I see a potential risk where it could price you out of certain markets if all your competitors are working at a different level within that particular you know geography, that particular state. Did you find situations where Raising the bar that high would become a competitive issue, or um, you know, would hurt you in the in the market, the local market. Yeah, that's a great question, and, and that's a conversation that's had frequently at Cureleaf because you're right. I mean, all these markets are different, and uh, not every manufacturer out there is held to the same you know internal standards, and, yeah. and sometimes even the way they apply the external standards to you know how they comply with uh, local regulations, and so. You're right. In some cases, that means that we are not able to get to the same, you know, cost as mm-hmm. uh, some competitors in the space. But part of it is being able to build uh, brand loyalty yeah. and and consumer confidence around. Hey, Cureleaf may not always be the lowest priced product, or our other brands like Select or Grassroots might not always be the lowest priced product on the market. But you know that. We're not cutting corners from the hardware we use to the ingredients we put into our products to where we source and how we test our materials that that we are transparent and that we have the highest standards. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that's worth often paying a little bit more for. Yeah, well, a well-differentiated strategy should be able to command a superior price position. So 
I'm curious how much you ended up interacting with kind of sort of the marketing or the more the, you know, the folks that were really looking at what the market needed in terms of products, formulations, things like that. How did you, you know, kind of figure out what products were going to be most applicable and sell best in different markets, given, given that these markets are quite different, you know, both on the medical and the, uh, you know, the adult use side, was there a lot of kind of testing validation? Did you have to kind of come up with a different plan or, or was it generally you could use more or less the same kind of product portfolio as you went from market to market? You know, there are big categories and there are uh, obvious, you know, trends in the market and in large segments behind certain products that, you know, the goal is really to differentiate behind quality and consumer appeal behind those products. But then you're right, there's a lot of differences from market to market based on demographics or market maturity and market size. And so, you know, we we do a ton of sensory testing. We're fortunate that, you know, by the end of this year, we'll have over 100 retail locations. And yeah. so the level of insight we get from having that retail on that, that daily interaction with the amount of customers and consumers and patients that we touch on a daily basis who aren't shy to provide feedback, what they like, what they don't like, what's missing from our lineup. So we have a phenomenal vehicle, one of the best vehicles in the country really, to get real-time information from our consumers about what they're looking for and what their needs are in a product and apply that to you know where we put our resource for innovation and product development. Um, You know, we opened up this forum not too long ago for where anyone in the company can fill out a form for a new product request. What would you like to see Caroleaf Select or Grassroots offer for a product in the market? And the range of products is is incredible. So, I mean, there's no shortage of ideas or concepts or (laughs) demand from consumers. So it's really, you know, looking at categories that are going to make the most impact and have the most benefit to the patients out there. Yeah. So let's talk about the kind of the science and the, the research and development work you're doing. I mean, I just, I find that, you know, cannabis has been like three, four, five years ago, you know, re- research and innovation was, is how much more THC can, get, can I get out of the, can I get out of the flower? You know, now there's so many, you know, kind of looking at the different molecules and the terpenes and the, you know, these, these additional cannabinoids that are in these plants. Like, I guess, A, how are you looking at, you know, kind of the strategy or, or researching kind of the, these different kind of raw material, I guess I'll call it, that, that you can pull out of the plant and then all the kind of formulations and nanoization of all these things. I mean, there's all this stuff around uh, how you process it to become a product that actually has, you know, different levels of bioavailability and onset and offset and form factors. And, you know, there's, it just seems like the, the, the matrix of permutations here quite, gets quite big. How do you really kind of organize this? Where is your research focused? What are you looking to really kind of advance? Where do you see this industry going on that side of things? Yeah, that's that's a big question, a great question. You're right. I mean, in the early days, a decade ago uh, in cannabis, it was all about, you know, purity and creating the highest concentration THC products. And, you know, that's long over. I think that consumers are more interested in total experience around a product, uh, you know, total outcome, what they're looking for in a cannabis product. And I think, that is a you know a diverse response. I mean, people are looking for very different things in a cannabis product, and I think we try and and focus on letting science kind of guide us in that direction. We want to make products that are efficacious, that are fit for purpose, that have you know bring more people who could benefit from cannabis as a natural remedy over other options into the space. And so, unfortunately, 
as you know, when we say where cannabis is at the tip of the spear in terms of development and where it's going, that's because there's a real lack of research that's been done. I mean, there yeah. is certainly research, clinical, preclinical research that's been done, but you know, our, our government has inhibited that for a long time. So now we're starting to see really an explosion of research around the various cannabinoids, other bioactive compounds like terpenes. And so, you know, these are all broadening our horizons as we learn more about not just, you know, THC and, and CBD, but all these other cannabinoids and terpenes in cannabis. How do they interact individually? How do they interact together in, yeah. in a synergistic or inhibitory mechanism? Really, that that opens up potential and possibility to let real science guide opportunities when we think about all the different reasons people would take a pharmaceutical product or, or go to drugs or alcohol, anxiety, sleep, pain, you know, there's real science behind supporting different uses of cannabinoids for those applications. And so we're really trying to let that science guide us in the way we formulate. And then beyond that, then how do we deliver those cannabinoids? And you're right, it's not just about vaping anymore or eating a brownie. You know, nano is hot right now, but really yeah. nano just means small. I mean, what yeah. people are really talking about is the pharmacokinetics and even larger, the pharmacodynamics of cannabinoids. Yeah. What's the time to onset, the time to offset, the distribution, the metabolomic pathway? You think that the high you get from eating cannabis is very different from smoking cannabis. Yeah. Scientists will tell you that's because it's a very different active metabolite depending on how cannabis is consumed with a very different efficacy. Mm -hmm. And so all these things start to come into play and stuff. So you get now a wider matrix of cannabinoids that have very different efficacy, both alone and in synergism with one another and the terpenes. And then you get different delivery mechanisms and formulations and targeted approaches. And so you're right, that matrix can go grow insanely large very <laughs> yeah. quickly yeah. and our job is to really rein it in and let a focus on the biggest areas where cannabis can help people and marry that to the strongest science that says you know there's real meat here in terms of collateral behind why cannabis is a better approach for providing this application than other things that people might you know historically gravitate towards yeah it's interesting i mean i'm curious how you would kind of direct the research part of it because I could see, I mean, there, there's a research path, which is we need to look at each one of these molecules and we need to do the molecules. There's another path that says, well, it's really about kind of this entourage effect and we need to be doing this research as kind of these formulations, right? Because I think one of the challenges I've seen is the traditional sort of pharmaceutical FDA trial process is very sort of single molecule based research, right? We're, we, we've got this molecule, we're trying to figure out what its effectiveness is, we put it through clinical trials, but you know, in this case, we're dealing with so many kind of combinations of things and you're dealing with a biological plant or a, you know, a, a product that produces these things in these combinations. So I'm curious if what would be most beneficial for you in terms of the product research side, in terms of that stuff, and, and then this whole idea of you know, the efficacy side in terms of uh, you know, research that's conducted around the differences of, you know, genetic makeup, you know, how do people's, you know, genetic makeup change the impact it has or gut biomes kind of issues? Like what are the things that are most interesting for you in terms of someone who's looking at how do we innovate and create new products? What's the research that would really move the needle for you? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, and you're right, there's this historical debate that's kind of fun to watch and it's you know, the guys chasing, you know, the absolute purity, you know, that pharmaceutical API approach where it's pure CBD or pure yeah. CBN. And, and then, you know, 
really the historical industry saying, well, this entourage effect and, you know, really what is the entourage effect? It's, you know, from an industry perspective, people think of it as the cannabinoids or cannabinoids and terpenes working together to provide a better outcome for whatever you're looking for than the singular cannabinoid. And I'll tell you, you know, the research in that area is like other areas of cannabis still really early. But I can tell you, at least my perspective is that there's truth to both sides. I think that um, there is science that shows that cannabinoids with other cannabinoids and with terpenes can have a synergistic mechanism, meaning that the combination of those uh, two active ingredients or more can have a greater outcome than that singular ingredient. And synergism, it's often the, the one plus one equals four equation where that, that the combination of the two has a, a greater effect than the two individually. And there is real truth to that for certain combinations and certain applications. But what a lot of people don't realize is that there can also be inhibitory mechanism where for, let's say, you're looking for something for an inflammatory response, the combination of certain cannabinoids with each other or terpenes could actually have an inhibitory effect over the benefit of that cannabinoid alone. And so I think it's a lot more complex than just singular cannabinoid versus entourage effect. I mm -hmm. think that there is real uh, inhibitory and synergistic mechanisms at place between cannabinoids and terpenes. And I think that the science is really just starting to dig in there. And I look forward to seeing where that will take us because that will really you know, dictate the future of effective formulations and really maximizing the potential of this plant for a variety of different uh, applications. Yeah. I'm curious on the kind of the supply side, because I, I think it's one thing to, you know, do the research, you know, come up with these new formulations, find these new kind of ways of leveraging what the plant can offer us to create these solutions for different conditions, but then you've got to manufacture it. W what right. are some of the challenges that you're seeing or, or how do you kind of guide your research and development process with this kind of, like we, at the end of the day, we have to produce this at volume kind of approach. Are there things that come up for you either in terms of supply, you know, what we have available to us or what people are actually producing from the cultivation side or, you know, processing, you know, technology or capabilities that we have or don't have yet that need to really be in place to be able to make these things at scale in terms of bringing them to market? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it's always a balancing act. I mean, as the science is exploding in certain areas, then the supply chain and the processing technology have to catch up. And, and that's, you know, that's kind of ongoing. And we're fortunate that we have we have cultivation, strong cultivation in so many markets, and we have some great people on the genetic side really working with the scientific team to think down the road and how we can, you know, grow the right genetics that provide us the plethora of cannabinoids and terpenes that we see not only effective in the market today, but that will influence the market down the road. So we've certainly done a lot of that. And then to your point, the process technology, that's actually a big part of what we do as well. It's great to have concepts and do things at R&D scale, but is there technology out there that scales, that does it efficiently, that does it with, you know, safe and a safe mechanism, not introducing anything into the process that, you know, would cause any safety concerns. So all those things have to be thought of, you know, together when you're thinking about bringing some of these new products to market. Yeah. Anything on the, um, I mean, you kind of mentioned beginning the regulatory side and that we've got all these different states and, and they have different bars and different systems and testing and procedures other than just 
reducing some of the uh, restrictions around the research side, anything that you'd like to see really kind of change on the regulatory, either the regulatory side, the legal side that would, from your point of view, would really allow us to move this industry forward, you know, faster, with more confidence, with more safety, you know, as you look at kind of the product development side? Sure. I'll, uh, my, my personal thought, and it may not be the most popular thought, but <laughs> I, I think the way what cannabis is tested for safety today leaves uh, a lot of concern about true consumer safety. I think that yeah. uh, a lot of these states, the third-party testing labs, there's some great labs out there that want to do good science and that do do good science. But the way it's been set up, these are really, these are businesses, right? And yeah. so things like potency or passing results, I mean, passing results allow you to go to market. Potency results are use consumer information, but they're also in some respects a, a marketing yeah, exactly. part of the application. So you put these labs in a position where good science and what your customers are looking for and response from you aren't really the same thing. And I just think that, you know, we need to look to other industries. I really think that testing should be done internally and then it should be audited by a government agency that comes in that pulls product off the shelf that and make sure that they validate your label claim that your consistency and your consumer safety panels and you know with the the threat of a third party agency auditing you no one's going to do a better job investing in and testing the consistency of their products than the vendor themselves when their reputation is at stake and you know that model's been used in a lot of other industries like pharmaceuticals where pharmaceuticals test every aspect of their own product and they're audited by the FDA and I assure you that those pharmaceutical job companies do a much better job testing every aspect of that product than a third-party lab would providing that same service. So I think that we need to continue to look at how we ensure consumer safety is achieved in this industry. Yeah, yeah. I've had several several labs on the program, and, and my favorite question for them is, who do you serve? Right. <laughs> and there's always a little bit of pause. <laughs> well, and the, the labs I know out there that I respect for doing the best science that, that personally I want to partner with, yeah. you know, they often struggle as businesses, though, because yeah. they're, you know, yeah. they stick to their guns and they practice good science. And you know, they, there's a lot of pain point there. And so um, I think, uh, again, I think the states need to look at how do we really regulate consumer safety in cannabis and make sure that everyone's interests are aligned in ensuring consumer safety. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious, as you have you know, kind of taken on these new roles, as the company has grown, how, how have you had to kind of level up your skills, capabilities, mindset, approach? You know, you're now, you're now working with, you know, the largest cannabis company in the world. How does, what changes have you had to kind of navigate as, as a leader, as a, you know, practitioner here? Yeah. I, I mean, great question. I think, you know, my background has always been, I'm really research oriented. So what's this happening in the science world, uh, the clinical and preclinical work that's taking place and how do we apply that? The process and formulations chemistry is something I'm very passionate about. But as we look at, you know, really consumer goods, and we think about all the products that are going to market now, beverages and confections, and there's a lot of different skill sets to come together to make an excellent, a world-class confectionery product or a beverage product or a safe inhalable product. And so really starting to build, uh, you know, diversified teams that have expertise in things like flavor or stability and uniformity and mm -hmm. hardware engineering and hardware design as that continues to evolve alongside of the formulations. And, and so really, you know, you have to be able to think about and work with a very diverse team of scientists and engineers as, as cannabis touches, touches so many products and so many delivery forms. And then to your point on, on the regulations, uh, 
you know, when we're developing products, we want to make sure these products are can be consistent and uniform in, in, in all of our markets. But with, you know, 23 different state regulations to comply with, yeah. I spend a lot of time familiarizing myself with regulations, changes to the regulations, and how that applies to products that we're going to try to launch into these markets and, and where we can find efficiencies and synergies working with these very different regulations. And so that is a part of my daily life is working through those regulations. Yeah, no, that's great. Jesse, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Cureleaf, what's the best way to get that information? Absolutely. Well, you can go to cureleaf.com. The website's fantastic. A ton of great information on there and a ton of links and ways to reach out and connect with myself, the scientific team at Cureleaf, and all the other great knowledgeable people at Cureleaf as well. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Bruce, thanks for having me on. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.